0: Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. Coming to you from the Baker Law Group, Studio 107. It's SOL. Live, raw, and uncensored with your host, Drew Baker. Shaden that Banks, just happened. Matt Dixon, the Iron Man. And Kristen Camacho, the Enforcer. I didn't
1: choose this.
0: A podcast dedicated to protecting your rights by exploring the law politics, and current events. You have the right to remain silent and listen, or call in and become a part of the show. And now, here's your host, Shay and Babe.
2: the driver who hit and killed a cyclist tonight and then drove away.
3: Is it okay to go outside to
2: just walk around the park? Is that safe? People walk, jog, roller skate during a shelter-in-place order from the city, in effect at least until early April. These folks were ordered stay at home, but there is an exception for what are deemed essential activities, and walking,
0: hiking, and running are allowed. We do need to be out and about, and I think the guidance that says go and do those things, but to keep your distance. I think that's very prudent because we have to stay true to who we are.
2: Welcome to the SOL podcast. I am your host, Shake and Bake, coming to you live from our makeshift studio in Florida today. Looking forward to getting back to the 107 studio. I have with me, as always, my co host, the Iron Man. Matt, how are you today?
3: Hey, Drew. Oh, doing fabulous today. Another uh, beautiful day uh, stuck inside my living room. But oh, yeah. nonetheless, I'm here. Excited to be with you again.
2: Yeah, we're, we're getting through this. That's the nice thing. I think everybody's doing a great job. We're coming to you live today from Facebook. I think we have an incredibly exciting show. And we're going to learn some things today. We have a special guest that we'll tell you about uh, in just a moment. If you'd like to call in and be part of the show today, we welcome you to do so. The number 610-600-1765 is the number you're going to want to call. That takes you right to the SOL studio, and we'll bring you on. We'd like to hear your opinions and your thoughts. Afterwards, we will mix this down. We'll put it on iTunes, our website at www.bakerlawgroup.net. It'll also be on Spotify, Buzzsprout, and a number of other feeds. The title of the show today is Hit the Road, but don't get hit during Corona. The idea <laughs> being is that we're being told to go outside and continue some version of physical fitness, right, Matt?
3: Yeah, and the 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 title couldn't be any more timelier than than right this moment. I mean, you know, you've got You've got all these people cooped up in their homes. They can't go out. They can't go shopping, can't go to movies, can't go to a restaurant. So really, our only opportunity to get outside right now is to take a walk, go jogging, hit a bike ride, whatever it is. Uh, and I am seeing hundreds of people around the neighborhoods just out and about. Of course, everybody's doing their social distancing, um, which, which is great, but they're just, there's people everywhere you know, because we're all stuck at home at the same time. Uh, and it really got me thinking, gosh, you know, there's a lot of myths about different things on the road when you're cycling or when you're running and what do people know? What do they don't know? Of course, when I go out running or I go out riding, I see people doing some of the oddest, weirdest and downright illegal, uh, stuff that you can imagine. So I thought thought it'd be great to talk about those items today.
2: I couldn't agree more. What I've noticed is it's almost like everyone has the plague. Cause I went for a run last night and as I went around the neighborhood, the closer I would get to someone, the further they would run away. Is it, you know, if if I was uh, infected with leprosy <laughs> or something, but the last thing you want to do is go out on a ride to be physically fit and then find yourself injured. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it's certainly not what I think the media outlets are promoting. It's more so get outside, be safe and just take a break from that being stuck indoors. But before we go any further, I- Remember, the views and opinions expressed on this show are meant for informational purposes only and are not to be construed as advice. There is no way in any way that we are creating an attorney client relationship. We had to get that out of the way. As you know, it's not an attorney client relationship, but hopefully it's some good advice that at least we can take with you to be more safe and know what your options are, which is why we brought on an incredible guest today. He'll be part of the Second portion of the program, Steve Magus from Ohio, down in the Cincinnati area. He is the Ohio bike lawyer, and, and we will be talking to him a little later in the show. But, Matt, getting back to what we were talking about before, I've seen tons of stuff on Facebook and other media outlets with people that I've never seen work out or log a run before, and they're doing it, which is a great thing. But are they doing it safely?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. Let me, let me ask you this, Drew. Um, where do you think's the safest place? You're out on a bike ride, what do you think's the safest place to be riding your bike?
2: That's actually an easy one. Um, anytime I'm on my bike, being on the sidewalk is the safest place. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what just happened. <laughs> it wasn't good. You got blown up. I think I didn't. You got blown up. On. No. So where's the safest place, Matt? I have a feeling you know. I I do. I do. The safest place is to ride on the right side of the
3: road with traffic. Um, You know, not hugging the right side of the road, but staying off to the right. Uh, There's some vague, vague law and and, you know, color on where exactly to ride, but arguably just sort to the right. And, And the reason for this is if you're on the sidewalk. You know, you're going to blend in with cars that are parked, trees, trash cans, um, or mailboxes even, and you're in a much higher risk for somebody turning right and turning right into you, or turning left even, I guess, if it's oncoming traffic. And so they want you to ride on the road so you're more visible to motorists and they can see you. Uh, They just don't want you riding in the middle of the road.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Both of us have been avid cyclists for a long time. And... One of the other big issues with sidewalks, there's all kinds of bad spots where you might hit those areas, bust a tire, wipe out, flip over your handlebars. Um, Not that the roads are perfect and without potholes, but it does seem to me when I'm riding, I have a better view up ahead. I can see obstacles a little more clearly and don't have to constantly worry about the levels changing on the sidewalk. So I guess in hindsight, I deserve to be blown up because I didn't have the right answer. And Yeah, no, that's, that's uh, that's pretty typical for me. When it comes to residential, that's a different situation, right? So if I'm down uh, here and I'm on the, the main drag golf boulevard and I'm riding, that's one thing. But when I come into the neighborhood, none of those rules apply, right?
3: I'm, Drew, I'm going to have to blow you up again.
2: So maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> What's the story with that? Are they, are they the same rules? Whether you're on a main thoroughfare or you're riding through a residential neighborhood, the rules of the road
3: apply. Uh, And you need to follow the same rules and laws that other motor vehicles on the road are following. You need to stop at stop signs. You need to um, signal whether you're going to turn left, right, or even if you're slowing down or stopping. And this is really to help the vehicles around you understand what it is that you're doing. And so, you know, it's, it's crazy. I go out for a jog and it just, it irks me, you know, you see cyclists going through residential neighborhoods, blowing through stop signs that by the way, they're not four way stops. It's just a stop sign on his side. The, the, the traffic crossing him could be coming at 35 miles an hour uh, with no time to react. And so, and it's not like they're, they're coming up to the stop sign. They're slowing down. They're looking both ways. I mean, they are just blowing through these things at 15, 18, 20 miles an hour.
2: You know, I've always said that when cyclists do that, the problem is there's already a bit of a stigma out there. At least I've experienced, and I'm sure you have too. That cyclists shouldn't be on the road anyway. My guess is that stigma comes from the fact that cyclists don't think they have to follow the same rules. And when they don't follow the same rules, it infuriates the drivers. I don't think it infuriates the drivers necessarily because they're bothered by the cyclist being there. I think if that may be the initial reaction. But what's going on behind the scenes probably in their mind is nobody really wants to hurt anybody else. And if they feel like somebody's putting themselves in a situation where they could be hurt and it could be at, at their hands of their automobile, that really bothers people. I understand why. So as a cyclist, I think you and I both agree, Matt, that trying to demonstrate that we follow the same laws as the vehicles on the road sends a message to the the motorists that we deserve to be there. We should be there. Well, and in, in the follow up uh, along that line of thought, you know, we do have some,
3: some laws on the books that talk about how far or how wide you have to be from a cyclist as you're passing them. I've, I've been on multiple rides, uh, big ones around town. Pedal with Pete's a big charity ride. Uh, Tosserve has been going on forever. And, you know, I see, I see riders getting tickets for blow and stop signs, uh, for cutting through a gas station uh, on a right turn so that they don't have to stop at the stoplight. I've actually seen that happen. I mean, you can't do that in a motor vehicle, and you can't do that on a bicycle either. So, you know, do the right thing. You really just, you know, on top of it being unsafe, which is the primary reason for not doing it, you are giving other cyclists a bad name and causing this perception among the motorists that, you know, you don't belong on the road because you can't follow the rules. So, yeah, it's a double whammy. It's unsafe, and it gives us all a bad name.
0: Well,
2: I think that's all good advice. It's definitely helpful for people that are going to go out and spend some time outdoors exercising. The next part of the show that we want to talk about is what happens if I'm out there, I'm running, I'm walking, I'm walking the dog, I'm cycling, and I'm actually struck by a motorist. And this is where Mr. Magus, he is really the, the guy to go to in Ohio when it comes to bike related cases. We're going to talk to him in just one minute i'm going to be bringing him on so we'll be back in approximately 60 seconds at the baker law group recovery has always been the focus of our practice our clients struggle but through perseverance and a strong commitment to recovery they prevail their dedication is inspiring in times like these operating a paperless remote practice for over 10 years We are ready, willing, and able to assist you with your legal needs, even during these unprecedented times. We believe in recovery, and we know that America has been turned upside down before. We will recover again, closer, smarter, and stronger. The Baker Law Group, practicing different, practicing relationships. Back for part two of the show. What happens and what do you do in the event you're out exercising and you run into this unfortunate circumstance of another vehicle that strikes you? What are your legal remedies? I'm honored to have on Mr. Megus today. I'm going to bring him on now. Steve, are you there? Hey.
1: Hey, Steve. I am here. How are you today? I'm um, good, man. It's a gorgeous day.
2: Well, thanks so much for coming on with us today. Um, tell us a little bit about your practice to get started.
1: Sure, um, I've uh, I started practicing in 1982. I've always done some form of litigation, typically personal injury, but I've tried will contests and contract cases. But uh, I, I ran the Cincinnati office of a statewide uh, PI firm in the 90s. I uh, was an in-house uh, defense counsel for an insurance company, uh, and uh, I started my own practice about about 12 years ago now. And um, I started out broad, but it's really funneled down to to the point where today, 80 to 90% of my cases involve bicycles. And uh, typically, it's a car versus bike, dog versus bike kind of crash. Every once in a while, we get a products case where a, a wheel falls apart or a frame breaks or something weird. But by and large, these are uh, traffic matters. I've done Thousands of injury cases over the years, the last 35 years. But I've done I've, the last count was over 450 bicycle cases alone. Um, and I've um, uh, done them here. I've I've had some uh, calls to go into other states and uh, and handle cases or at least work on cases with uh, lawyers down in Florida, uh, New Jersey, and and some other places. I've been a an expert in a couple of cases uh, just to talk about. Uh, bike law and and bike handling and those kind of things as well. So, yeah, I've got probably 50 to 60 bike cases percolating right now all over Ohio.
2: I would guess that most of those cases, too, involve serious injuries. The size of a car versus the size of the bike and the rider seem to be disproportionate. So I'm guessing the injuries are generally pretty serious.
1: Yeah, I always say, A, there's no soft tissue bike injuries. You know, there's always something broken, fractured, missile, right. something happened significantly, and B, uh, the, the motorist is never injured. So it's always the cyclist who takes the brunt of it.
2: Yeah, and, and to that end, I, I I would think that most people that haven't run into this situation would be surprised by whether there is insurance available especially through their own automobile carrier in the event they're in an accident that involves a motorist and a cyclist. So can you give us some information on that?
1: Sure. Yeah. There's multiple insurance policies are triggered at the moment you are hit by a car while riding your bike. First and foremost is the motorist who hits you has, should have insurance on the car. That's the main thing you look at, but uh, on on your side of the ledger If you have health insurance, hopefully that health insurance pays your bills. If you have auto insurance, uh, there are two coverages in your auto policy that can come into play if you're riding your bike on the road and get hit by a car. One of those is called medical payments coverage or MedPay. Uh, Medical payments coverage is like a mini health insurance policy built inside your auto policy. It applies in an auto accident, even if you're not in a car. If you're sitting on the bus waiting for the bus to come and a car hops the curb and hits you, your MedPay will cover uh, some unpaid medical bills up to the policy limits, the same as on your bike. Unless you have Nationwide, if you ride your bike at all, you do not want to have Nationwide insurance because Nationwide has fought me tooth and nail for several years and refuses to pay medical payments coverage uh, to bicyclists because they don't think there's coverage. I think there is, but, you know, so we have a fight over that. Steve,
2: That's terrible news, Steve. That's terrible news. I have I, know, I have I know. Nationwide. <laughs> I actually have Nationwide. I didn't know yeah. that, so uh, maybe there'll be a call made tomorrow <laughs> yeah. to fix yeah. that problem.
1: Yeah. Well, you should. You should. That's called. And before you do that, you should read the case of Dye versus Grossi, D-Y-E-G-R-O-S-E.
2: That, that's unbelievable because, it's, it's a no-fault portion of the policy, too. Um, That's right. That's you, know, right. You, you can be the one, if you're driving the vehicle, you, you're you the one that runs the stop sign and hits another car. That coverage is available to you even though it was your fault. So in this instance, you're saying the cyclist wasn't at fault and they still didn't give them the med bay. Yeah,
1: and, and typically we don't litigate these because they're – the, the policy limits for med pay are typically small. They're usually five thousand, a thousand, ten thousand. I've had one bicycle case where a, an older fellow bought a hundred thousand dollar med pay policy, and then he got hit by a car and had uh, two hip surgeries, including a hip replacement, and he spent a hundred thousand of his med pay. So it, it can be a very important coverage for cyclists. The other part of the auto policy that comes into play is the what's called the uninsured underinsured motorist. Provision. So if you're hit, you're riding your bike, you're hit by a car, you got a hundred thousand dollar case, but the guy has no coverage or only has state minimum coverage, twenty five thousand. If your policy limits are significant and and greater than theirs, you can get twenty five thousand from the driver, to max out his policy, and then you can go to your own auto insurance and say, hey, I've, I'm an under, I'm in an underinsured situation here, and you can get up to. The difference if you have 100 and they've got the other side has 25 you get the first 25 and then you can get another 75 uh, if your case is worth that much from your policy so it's, you have to look at each case but but in general there's some good case law that says cyclists are entitled to get the benefits of the uninsured motorist coverage that
2: they paid for I'm Just going to ask you if you're if you're under that uh, um coverage does the insurance company look at you or treat you like a pedestrian there's a, uh,
1: that's a good question because that word pedestrian is the word that nationwide uses to refuse to pay med pay, oh, and okay. um, uh, there are there is a body of case law that says that word pedestrian in an insurance policy is broader than the word pedestrian in the traffic law. In the traffic law, the pedestrian is defined as a person afoot, but for okay. insurance purposes, particularly with the med pay, it's it's the definition is broadened it, it applies to people that don't have feet. It applies to people being pushed in a wheelchair. If mom is pushing the baby in a buggy and they both get hit, they're both pedestrians, even though the baby is riding in a, you know, you know a little buggy vehicle or whatever. So,
0: Very interesting. so the word
1: is, that's the magic word that, that, that costs uh, me the case in the, uh, in Mansfield, but of um, course on the, uh, uninsured side have expanded that uh, more broadly to include uh, cyclists in the mix. So I, I'm generally, I've never had a a company refuse to pay the uh, uninsured motorist coverage at all. Uh, you can also look at your homeowner's policy. That's another insurance policy that kicks in when you get hit. Your homeowner's policy provides two things. First, if you have a really nice bike, uh, you might find that you get a better deal on the bike uh, from your homeowner's policy, uh, if it gets destroyed in a car crash, then it, you would from you know the guy that hit you because you may have replacement costs, and so you may get a nicer replacement bike. And then your homeowner's policy uh, company will go after the guy that hit you to get their money back. Whereas the person that hit you only has to pay the reasonable value of your bike, which may be less than the replacement cost. So you can get a better deal sometimes there.
2: Yeah, and especially with some of the bikes like Matt and I would have that we've bought over the years, those are serious investments.
1: Yeah, the average cost of the bikes, uh, Mike. I tend to get clients who are what I would call serious riders, and and uh, they tend to buy expensive bikes, and so the average typical cost is well over a thousand, often over two thousand. I've settled a property damage claim for fourteen to fifteen thousand on a bicycle, so. Um, it took a little doing to convince them, but uh, we got paid. Uh, another thing that comes up sometimes is that the motorist who hits you says, hey, it wasn't my fault. It was your fault. Uh, right. I had a, I've had had two cases, uh, one percolating right now, uh, and both involving motorcyclists who got hurt when they ran into a bicyclist and they sued the bicyclist before I could bring the claim against the motorcyclist. Wow. So,
2: I, I've never heard of that happening. So do you have some defense options then through your policy?
1: You do. It's it's treated under your homeowners policy just like a slip and fall, basically, and you report it to nationwide, if you have nationwide for your homeowners, and nationwide provides a defense to you in the litigation. And so in the case I have in Cleveland, uh the motorcyclist hit the bicyclist and sued the bicyclist. Uh and then um I had already been Communicating with the bicyclist about the claim against the motorcyclist, I notified the carrier. They provided a defense lawyer. I filed a counterclaim, and the motorcyclist got a defense lawyer. So now each side has two lawyers. Jeez, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's
2: a lot yeah, of complicated.
1: Up with. But uh, yeah, but, but you we know, it, it provides you. You know, you're you're not out in the woods by yourself. You've got a uh, policy. You've got coverage limits of your homeowner's policy to pay for any dumb things
2: that somebody says you did. Again, maybe some of the stigma that we were talking about earlier, people just seem to get very frustrated with cyclists on the road at times, and maybe that's what they think the recourse is in the event you run into the side of the car, even though that they may have pulled out in front (laughs) of you. So, Matt, you had an interesting thing that you brought up earlier about the dogs and people out walking with dogs and cyclists.
3: Yeah, yeah, no. Certainly, you know you, you're out you're out today, or you're out on a trail, and there's always dogs out. Uh, sometimes on a leash, sometimes not on a leash. But yeah, a scenario where you're on a run and or cycling, and somebody else's, um, you know, somebody else's dog jumps out in front of you, wrecks you, bites you, whatever it is. I mean, are we looking at a similar scenario? What, how, how do you how do you recover in those instances where there could be property damage, but more specifically, bodily injury.
1: Well, the, the Ohio, at least in Ohio, we're fortunate to have one of the nicer dog laws. If you get, uh, if a dog incident happens, say, in um, Indiana, the rule used to be, and I think it still is, they have what they call the old one bite rule. So if you happen to be the unlucky soul who is the first person the dog has ever gone after, you lose. And now, once the dog goes after you, the owner's on notice that the dog is has this propensity, and so the owner's liable for the second, third, fourth bite. Uh, Ohio's different. Ohio has strict liability for dog owners. So if the dog, then the statute's very broad. If the dog causes damage to someone, uh, then the owner is liable. And if, in the traffic situation, we're not talking about a case where somebody is on the property and trying to break in or teasing the dog or something like that. I mean, when the dog leaves the property goes onto a road and stuff happens and people get hurt, the owner's liable and the owner's typically covered by a homeowner's policy. Um, so I have a, I've got, gosh, I've probably done a hundred dog cases over the years uh, with cyclists, uh, never had a, an issue getting, uh, homeowners to cover the issue comes up when whether the, when you try to figure out if the policy limits are sufficient in a serious case, but uh, there is coverage under the dog owner's uh, policy under their, for their real estate. So that's what
3: well, I thing. know. I know personally, personally, I've been, I've been chased by many a dog over the years on a bicycle and oh, I don't yeah. know if I'm just lucky fast enough or the dog lost interest, but I, I haven't been bitten yet and I'm knocking on wood as I say it, but, you know, certainly uh, I have I have had a dog knock me off my bike um, in a right. race in and in a triathlon race before uh, a dog jumped out of the owner's car on the side of the street, ran down, starts running down a hill and runs directly into the front of my bike, just sending me right over the handlebars, completely ripped the brake off of my bike, bent my handlebars in half. Uh, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I wouldn't say I was injured. Certainly had some property damage, which the owner you know the owner paid for uh, without question, didn't even you know he just wrote a check. but so there wasn't ever an issue related to trying to recover on that, but nonetheless, that, that's like the scenario I envision when, when there being some kind of an accident with somebody's furry friend.
1: Well, I'll tell you I've, of all the cases I've done for dogs and bikes, I've only had two or three where there was an actual bite. The typical scenario is the dog is chasing or the dog is trying to play and, and the dog uh, sees the, the movement and goes after the movement. You know, it's like the old jokes, like, well, they, they didn't know what they were going to do when they caught him. I mean, typically the dog gets in the way, the cyclist goes over to handlebars and, you know, you get all kinds of injuries arising out of, of that scenario. The one case I had, one case I had where the kid got bit on the uh, on the back of his thigh Turns out the, the the rider was a hemophiliac and had to be air cared from a ride to Children's Hospital, and we had you know seventy five to hundred thousand in medical bills from a fairly you know low key bite, but because of the person, you know if it have bitten you, you probably would have shaken it off, but this kid had to have transfusions and uh, coagulants and all kinds of things going into him. I
2: had a case once where the the rider, the cyclist, was bit, and apparently the defense was the cyclist was taunting the dog but there right. there was no taunting going on the the argument was that by riding the bike it was taunting the dog and i said i don't think that's how it works yeah. but. <laughs> well i guess you would agree with me that the best way to prevent these accidents and prevent the potential for a lawsuit either against you or you bringing one against someone else is to be safe out there whether you're walking riding or maybe even on a Segway or some of these other new forms of of transportation that we've got. I think the scooters, they shut those down because of the spreading of the virus, but there are other options obviously that can put you on the sidewalk or on the road. So you need to be careful, but what would be your top three safety tips, Steve, for, for cyclists, runners, other people that are out there on the road right now trying to get some physical exercise during this quarantine?
1: Sure. Number one for cyclists is know the law. There are, the state laws, which are the traffic laws, you talked about the far-right rule. There are exceptions to that law that, that, that you know, we can get into at some point, but, but know what the law is. So Some people remember being taught, oh, you should ride facing traffic. Well, no, you shouldn't ride facing traffic. That's horribly dangerous and illegal. Uh, you should ride on the berm. Some people like to ride on the berm, but there's a serious question of whether you, what your rights are if you happen to ride on the berm. And so you're probably better off legally being in the lane, even though that may be more uncomfortable. Uh, for cyclists, they should ride their bike in a manner that allows them to be seen as early in the game as possible. If you, if you hug the curb too much to the right, you tend to blend in. If you're sitting out in the middle of the road, you know, people will see you. They'll get ticked off at you, but they will see you. And, and I'd much rather have the response of the motorist coming up on me to be, you know, I yeah, you know, you're blocking my way, get out of my way Then, right. Oh, crap, right. there's a cyclist, you know, what do I do? Uh, you know, so um, the cyclists generally have uh, fear of two things, you know, negligent, careless motorists and people who are intentionally trying to intimidate them. So we get to see some of that as well. from the the running side and the walking side, again, you got to know the law. The law says if you're on the road and there's no sidewalks available, you're supposed to walk facing traffic. So it's the opposite of riding a bike. And uh, a lot of people don't realize that there is that distinction in the law. Uh, Ride your bike with traffic, follow the traffic rules, drive your bike like you drive a car. I always tell people once you cross the white line, and you're on the road where you're in the game, and you got to play by the rules. And the rules are you got to follow uh, your, the traffic laws, except for a few specific bike-related rules, like the far-right rule and the fact that you're supposed to ride no more than two abreast. So
2: the blowing the stop signs, like we talked about earlier, is not a good idea yep. and yep. deserves one of these.
1: Okay. Yeah, yes, well, yes, absolutely. And you can get a ticket on a bike for anything you can do in a car the we managed to get a, a law passed uh i think it was those six uh, i've i've been working on the legal side in Columbus for for probably 20 years now sitting on the board of the ohio bicycle federation and
2: he never stops by matt he never stops by to say hi he's, he's <laughs> right across the street from us and he's not stopping by to say hi
1: well now that i know where you are man i'll be up there so you know i'll be borrowing your conference room i think there you go <laughs> But but the law changed in o six uh significantly in about a hundred different ways. We were able to get a bunch of changes passed and uh one of the big ones was we we prohibited cities from banning bikes entirely, so you know, these local jurisdictions sometimes like to ignore the state law and they try to ban bikes or they try to limit bikes to uh you know you can only ride on here when it's not the rush hour or you have to ride through our town single file or you have to have some, you know, something on your bike that uh, the state law doesn't require. And So we tend to find ourselves fighting uh, stupid things like that. I call them the stupid laws, but uh, the the local jurisdiction uh, that passes laws that uh, don't have uh, any comparable state law uh, behind them. So you have to kind of, if you're going to ride around a lot of different cities and counties, Good to know what the local rules are, uh, so that you're at least aware of what what they're they're trying to make.
2: It, it does seem like as long as you, you follow the the same traffic rules that you would driving is a, a great thing to remember. And then I would say probably as important, if not uh, even more important, from being hit is to just make sure you're visible. Sometimes you see people on bikes that they're wearing all black at six in the morning probably not the best choice of a tire, (laughs) you know, put something on so people (laughs) see you so you don't get hit.
1: Right. Well, that's an important rule to remember on a bike is, uh, if you're riding your bike at a time when a car has to have headlights on, you have to have headlights on and you have to have a taillight on. They have to meet you know, certain specs, but basically any flashlight that you Strapped to the front of your bike is going to be sufficient to meet the headlight rules for bikes. But if you don't have one, you, A, you can get a ticket, and B, if you get hit, your your, your uh, widow uh, will, may not be able to collect from the driver because you didn't follow the traffic law.
2: All this is absolutely great information. I, I can't uh, tell you how much we appreciate you coming on today. I hear the, the clock ticking in the background. We always try to keep these to about you know 35 to 45 minutes. We're right on time. And we certainly appreciate it. Where would People find uh, you, Steve? Other than your website, which is www. Is it Ohio, Ohio, bike. Bike, lawyer. Ohio bike? Ohio Lawyer. Bike com? lawyer. Okay.
1: Yeah, Ohiobike. That's a good place. Uh, my email, I'm always happy to talk bike at uh, bike lawyer at me m e. Dot com.
2: What about your telephone number? Yeah,
1: five one three four eight four bike four eight four twenty four fifty three. So we do all bikes all the
2: time. That makes it really easy when you put bike as the last four. I think a marketing I guy those. must have told I you that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a good call on your part. <laughs> I, 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 I
3: looked
1: at all the bike shops and a lot of them had that. And I thought that's pretty clever. So,
2: yeah. Very clever. Well, in all seriousness, this guy knows his stuff when it comes to bicycles. And if you have an accident of any kind on a on a bicycle, this this is the person to call. Steve has your answers and he'll make sure that uh, you're represented properly. And all those insurance policies out there that he discussed, he'll make sure that if they're available to you, they will be.
1: We're checking them out every day.
2: That's right. That's right. Matt, uh, did you have anything else? No, no, nothing else to add to today. I appreciate, uh, Steve, your, your time and, and expertise in this.
1: Oh, Anytime, anytime. Feel free to give me a buzz. Like I said, I'm always happy to talk by.
2: All right. Well, we want to thank you for tuning in today to the S.O.L. podcast. You, our listeners, are why we're doing this. And the more we have, the more excited we get. We can bring more people on the show like Steve, uh, experts in the field to discuss different areas of the law, but try to keep it light and loose and have some fun along the way. You can find the edited version of this show at our website at www.bakerlawgroup.net. You can also find our show at Spotify at iHeartRadio, Buzzsprout, and iTunes. If you have any questions about a legal issue and you'd like to speak with us, anything related to uh, misdemeanor criminal law and or injury work, please call us at 614-228-1882 or check us out on our website at www.bakerlawgroup.net. For everybody out there, stay safe. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to SOL. Join us next time on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and iTunes. For additional information or questions related to your legal matter, contact the Baker Law Group at 614-228-1882. That's 614-228-1882. Be safe, know your rights, and follow the law. This podcast is adjourned.